If you're a parent, COVID-19 may have you asking, what does this mean for my child's education? I'm your host, Tracy Wirtz, and today I sit down with the school superintendents of Acadia, Vermilion, and St. Landry Parishes to find out what you need to know about this crazy school year, especially heading into standardized testing. Now, on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana. The podcast powered by KLFY.com. We're visiting with three superintendents from Acadiana Parishes today. Tommy Byler with Vermilion Parish, Scott Richard from Acadia Parish, and Patrick Jenkins from St. Landry Parish. First of all, thank you, gentlemen. I know that you guys are incredibly busy. We're going to talk today about where they are in the school year and where we're going forward, especially as it relates to standardized testing. So do students in your parishes still have the option for virtual learning, and what percentage do you feel like are in-person and virtual right now? Okay. Well, in St. Landry Parish, yes, we still have the option for virtual learning. Uh, currently, we have about 1,200 students that are still participating in virtual learning. Uh, that would be kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, however, the vast majority of our students are back face-to-face -face, uh, since we've entered into uh, phase three. All right. Well, how about you, Scott? We have less than 10% of our students that are in a total virtual setting. Most of our students have been back since before the holidays. All right, and how about you? And we're very similar. We're about 8,500 face-to-face and about 1,000, about about 1,000 still in full-time virtual. Okay. Um, what do you guys feel each um, has been the biggest challenge? I mean, it's been a, obviously a, 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 a very unique school year as was last year but what do you what do you think has been the biggest challenge this year <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'll go first okay uh, i i think uh, i'm going to give you a quick timeline we had a cyber attack in january as soon as we started recovering from cyber attack we had COVID. Mm -hmm. we started and then with COVID, we had the hurricane and then ice storm and now we're dealing with the saint patrick day uh, <laughs> weather <laughs> alert. Uh, so uh, one of the biggest challenges is just being able to react and respond to all of these um, these uh, issues that we're having in our world. And so um, when it relates to COVID specifically, just the challenges of being able to provide a quality education, virtually, hybrid, in-person, and having the technology and the infrastructure to be able to do it. And how, how do you feel like your staff across the parish has responded to that? I think that the staff has responded well. Uh, everyone, and what I mean by that is um, our cafeteria workers, our uh, custodians, our all support staff, teachers and principals have done a tremendous job. Uh, when we first had COVID in March timeframe, our um, uh, child nutrition program staff went out and provided well over thousands of meals uh, to children. And so I appreciate everything that they've done and the heavy lifting to ensure that children were fed. Okay. What about you, Scott? What are your biggest challenge? You Tracy, I think the biggest challenge for, for our school system was the way in which we closed on March 13th, 2020, and the gap between the time we closed until we got kids back in school in a desk in front of a teacher. Um, the, the learning gaps that we're trying to close will take some time. There's no quick fix to that. It's not gonna be a quick summer school and everybody's back up to speed. Right. 
Uh, we have some strategic planning going on to address those gaps. But that, that period of time where we just abruptly shut down in March of 2020 and then finally got most kids back in, in school uh, in the fall uh, presented a lot of challenges for the school system. The other thing is the number of days missed by students and staff due to quarantining uh, from mm -hmm. COVID. There, there's, it's, it's been a significant challenge to make up just not having people at work, not having students in the desks that they need to be in to receive a quality education. Uh, our staff are second to none. They have uh, reacted and continue to, to be tremendous in their efforts. Everybody's going above and beyond. It's one team effort in Acadia, and I can't be prouder of, any, uh, of all of our staff in, in the school system. But the biggest challenge has been the, the stop, start, stop, start yeah. related to quarantining, uh, becoming professional contact tracers every time <laughs> there's a, a blood exposure. We're, we're school system people. We're not used to, you know, that's, that wasn't as part of our original training. So, but the adaptability of our staff and their work ethic is, is to be commended. What about you, Tommy? Anything I, I different? Mean, they've mentioned most of the ones that we that we have the same issues. And for me, the biggest challenge, for for me, the biggest challenge. I mean, I started this job on August 11th, you know, and so in <laughs> well, the middle of all this, you know, so I can write a book on the first six months. Um, you know, two hurricanes, an ice yeah. storm, and, and COVID. You know, the challenges for us, I think, Scott hit right on when when you say from March, you know, Vermillion from March to, you know, we just did we 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 stopped. Mm -hmm. We told grades were final. Yeah. We did a virtual program without being a one-to-one. -one. Kids just left on a Friday. And so, you know, we just stopped and all of a sudden we said, hey, we're gonna try to do something, but it didn't really count. But then that same mentality was, hey kids, it counts. Virtual now counts. Yeah. You know, so, so we, we set kids up. March, April, and May, they were just kind of doing work, but we didn't hold them accountable for virtual work. Mm -hmm. Then we turn around in August and say, hey, what you're doing at home is part of your grade. It counts, and so I think we created a, a mindset that we're having to overcome. You know, in Vermillion, the connectivity in our rural areas has been an issue. We're still not one-to-one. -one. We will be one-to-one -one, uh, after the we spend our second wave of ESSER money, but you know, we were not a one-to-one -one district, and, and that's an issue. But, but just having computers and technology are also an issue, because I don't think we've had time to truly spend with our teachers to teach them how to teach virtually, because I think, what, as Scott said, We've just been managing. We've been managing finding subs. We've been managing getting kids to school. We've been, ma everybody is in management and avoiding crisis mode and the learning for adults, the learning for students, the learning for administrators, mm -hmm. the learning for us as central office people is completely different. You know, we're, we're kind of in that first year that 2020 twilight zone of, of managing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, that's a great way to and, put and, it. And, and, and you know, they had from January, I mean, I've only had to August to, you know, I mean, so I, I feel like I'm playing catch up. Baptized but, uh, by fire, huh? You know, I mean, I was dealing it as a principal. Right. The school fires and then, okay, now deal with it with, with your whole system. So, you know, but, but, but echoing what these guys have said, the, the effort from our staff, the, the, the things that we're asking them to do that they never thought they would have to do. And, you know, look, they're frustrated. We know that, but they're managing. Uh, you know, we just kind of keep pop pumping them up. We try to be positive with them. And, you know, we just try to keep preparing for, for the next thing that'll come along. Now, what's one-to-one? -one? Can you explain? Well, one computer 
for one okay. for one student. I see. You so know, they are um, having to share share. You know, uh, I mean, statewide. I mean, Dr. Brumley has come out and said we have more computers now than students. But there were three parishes that still were not one to one. And Vermilion, Vermilion was, one, was of one of those. Mm -hmm. You know, we. Uh, and again, you know, the connectivity and the, those right. type of issues were. You know, it's just it's if you have one to one, you just have an ability. You know, Patrick and them started full virtual, right? Yes. They started. Full. We started full virtual. And, and so. Just that ability of, you know what, we, we can contact with kids. You can't hold kids accountable if I don't have a device mm -hmm. in their hand yeah. that's issued from the school. And that's hard to hold a kid accountable, hold parents accountable. Yeah. How are students in your respective parishes doing academically? Are you seeing, you know, you mentioned earlier about that lag and not mm -hmm. one summer school. Do you monitor those things and what are you seeing right now? We're seeing some progress being made to close those gaps, but we know it's going to be more than just the remainder of this school year and a, a short summer term. Um, we're trying to develop a summer school, summer program that's not too cumbersome on the staff because you got to remember our staff are going above and beyond. Uh, everybody's fatigued. Everybody's uh, looking forward to the summer and Easter break before that, but everyone is committed to trying to work with students and parents to close those educational gaps that exist. We are seeing some, some uh, progress on our benchmark testing, on our internal system. Uh, we're hoping we can perform adequately on the state tests that are coming up uh, toward the end of April and May. We'll talk about that, absolutely. How about you? Yeah, I feel uh, we're making progress. I feel like our older kids are actually making a little more progress. Uh, you know, our, our ACT scores are still, we're still working on that. They're still coming in. The biggest concern is our lower levels. Yeah. I mean, you, all, you know, March, April, and May, first grader who is in that key, key time of learning how to read, and then, then we come back and we really don't have a, a solid foundation to start the year, and then the uncertainties of the year, we're concerned. You know, the reading part, you know, we've always been very, very strong in, in our reading scores, and, and we've seen a little drop off. But, you know, like, but, but like Scott said, we're, we're, the teachers are fatigued. What, what can we, what can we get out? What, what can we get out of them? Um, you know, you know, in the, in the system, these guys can probably, you know, Hurricane Katrina, I feel, was a three to five year recovery for us to truly wow. get our kids back where, okay, all the systems are in place. Right. I feel like this is going to be a two to three year recovery because it's not only what we do every day at school. You know, the state testing system has to match. You know, so a teacher is okay. Do I spend time on catching them up? But I have this set thing. I'm supposed to be here at the end of the year. So there's a lot of moving parts that that I think it's going to take two or three years before we truly can see the data of of, of the of the learning loss. And there that, is going to be learning loss. Right, and that's what I was. I've been thinking about is that remediation you know if everybody is behind in their curriculum in a particular grade the next year they start behind so do we ever catch up you know and that's that's got to be a concern yeah de definitely is a concern and I think uh, Scott and Tommy uh, said it very eloquently 
and it, there will be some learning loss. Uh, our staff is doing a tremendous job of working really hard to try to catch students up. Uh, again, with all the modalities that we're using to educate children virtually, uh, um, hybrid, and now in person, uh, but that does cause some some angst um, among students as well as parents. Right. We we're um, looking at providing uh, services in terms of uh, tutoring uh, after school, uh, before school if necessary. Uh, as Scott said, we're looking at summer learning opportunities, and we're trying to make it as wide range as possible for as many students that want to participate as possible. And not only will we be doing it this year, but next year, and as long as those uh, CARES Act dollars are available to continue to provide tutoring and aftercare uh, and uh, additional services to catch up uh, all of those gaps that we've had. So um, those are the things that we're looking at. Um, so those are some tremendous challenges. It won't be solved, as Tommy said, in one year. Uh, we're looking at it from a, a two to three year perspective as well. And I, I just think that uh, everyone has to be in this together, parents, uh, the community, uh, children. And I think if we all work together, we'll be able to catch students uh, back up. And if I could just add on, I, I, think, I think all of our, you know, we all have great curriculum departments. Yes. I think the challenge for our curriculum departments over the next year and a half of looking at data and trying to figure out what we have lost and how do I put the important priorities and how do I move those? Is there anything I can take out? Is there anything I can move around? I, I think the challenge for our curriculum people over the next year and a half, and we all, we all trust our curriculum people, yeah. but I feel like that's gonna have to be a priority because we're gonna have to remove some things because that's, we've gotta help to close the gap and, right. and speed that process up. And you know, I think we all have capable staff that are gonna yes. do the best that they can to get that done. I think you've addressed that question. Okay. All right. Here's an interesting question because you brought up CARES Act funding and, I, and, and different things, you know, money being funneled down. And I remember, I don't know if it was in this particular stimulus that we're in now, but I remember the idea being bounced around about sending money to schools to decrease class sizes. Now, theoretically, that's a good idea, but you brought up something that I think that this touches on. I know that schools schools themselves are having trouble finding substitutes so is it a concern what's the teacher pool like could could that actually happen if it's an option that's available to you guys i mean i think human capital is very limited um i feel like we're also limited in our buildings you know it's easy to just say i'm gonna well we we are at capacity you know yeah. we have such a growth spur in the northern end of my yeah. parish that i'm already i mean we're in the middle of uh, of we're overcrowded already and so um, what we are going to use part of that money in, in some of our our schools kind of with contracted people coming in and, and adding extra interventionists and maybe pulling out small groups and, and and truly finding the kids who need need that extra help you know we're gonna offer it on a grand scale but we're gonna have to be very strategic in how we pull those people but Again, we, we, we have a whole lot of priorities that we, you know, um, right. you know, and, and the CARES Act money is great. It's been, you know, but, you know, we're, we're very limited. We didn't get as much as, uh, my, my, you know, we had that conversation today. <laughs> yes. My friends in St. Landry and uh, uh, Iberia, Scott and I are around the same amount. We didn't get quite as much, but so we're, we're being a little more frugal with how we can spend ours. The, yeah. the, teacher, the teacher shortage was a problem before COVID. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and it just, it's, it's more pronounced it's now. Yeah. Uh, um, we, we always work with our universities 
and our non-traditionally certified folks that, that are not certified to try to get certified. Right. But it's been more and more of a challenge as time goes by. Yes. And, and COVID didn't help with any of that. So even if you got more classes, you got to have somebody to M Money doesn't you. solve all the yeah. problems, right. Tracy, in a very high level. I mean, it, it's great to have the additional funds, but we, we as Tommy and, and Pat said earlier, we're trying to plan for short-term impact and long-term impact right. because yeah. this is not a, sh a short game we're in. We're, we're all playing for the long ball. Yeah. What about yeah. you? But well, human capital. Uh, yeah. <laughs> money doesn't solve those problems. And, you know, there's a potential just like with Katrina, as uh, was said earlier, and some of these other um, things that we've encountered where we start losing people to retirement. Yeah. Uh, and so if we start losing uh, folks, uh, teachers, uh, staff members to retirement, we don't have that pool of people in colleges to replace them. Uh, so uh, we, we have to look at all kinds of different things to be able to do it. So yes, it's great to have the money, uh, but when it comes to the human capital component of it, we're gonna have to be very creative to fill those gaps and fill those uh, vacancies uh, as we go along. And we're hoping to see some, some real flexibility with the federal dollars. Right now we're, we're and start of, sort of in a state of flux, mm -hmm. trying to determine what we can actually spend the money on, what we can't spend the money on. Uh, the more flexibility that the federal government and our state department of education and Bessie give us at the local level, the more beneficial it will be for our students if we have the flexibility to spend the dollars as you know we need we see fit at the local level well and that's what i was going to say because your challenges obviously aren't the same you know for, for vermilion versus acadia versus saint landry the, those challenges across the state it sounds like some of the issues are the same i think that if we had any superintendents in here they probably would echo some of your concerns and challenges but your needs just aren't the same you know? and, and we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Let's not forget that. we're still in the middle of a pandemic, so we still have we still have personnel who yeah. have medically medical reasons that they can't come work on our campus. So, so in addition to getting more people, we're just trying to get our our regular people back. Yeah. And we still have a bus shortage of bus drivers, not only subs, but I mean, of our current people, cafeteria you know, workers, I mean, custodians. I mean, we still have faculty yeah. working from home, right. running our virtual school. You know, and so. Yeah, the challenge is Let's get ours stop. back before stop. we have yeah. to start getting more. Yeah. The hits just keep yeah. on coming. And huh? I think Scott said it best. I mean, we just need the flexibility. Right. Uh, so, you know, having those funds available, again, are great, but we need the flexibility to be able to utilize them. Um, all right, so let's jump to the standardized testing now. We here, I know, have fielded a lot of calls. I'm sure that you guys have. I'm sure that you have really taken, you know, a lot of difficult uh, calls. Will students be required to take them in person? And what's your message to those parents who say, I've been virtual, what, you know, what's the situation? Do they have to take those tests in person? Well, currently, yes. Okay. Uh, they, um, they're gonna have to take the test in person at this time unless additional guidance comes soon. And we wanna encourage, uh, I think, uh, well, I'll speak for myself in that right. we want to ensure that we be able to evaluate students to see what they're what, how much they've learned this year. Right. I think that's very important to have a metric to be able to determine how much learning or, or how much they haven't learned this year. So I think that's very important that we have standardized testing this year. Uh, however, we want to be able to use that data as data. Mm -hmm. And so, but we want to encourage parents and children to do their very best 
to come in uh, to schools. And uh, we're going to have some flexibility. Uh, there has some, been some guidance from LDOE uh, to help us uh, if there are some concerns with parents that children are still working virtually where we can uh, do some things uh, with the schedule to accommodate them. So uh, that information is going to be coming from individual school systems and how that's going to work. But yes, uh, I think it's very important that we have testing and also it's going to be in person. How about in Acadia, Scott? My message is pretty simple to our parents in Acadia. Please work with your children to do their very best. Mm -hmm. Reduce the level of stress associated with state testing. Just come in and do your best. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all we can ask, given the challenges we've had this year. We need to assess where students are. But from the perspective of, of myself as superintendent of Acadia, and I'm not going to speak for any of the other folks in the room, I think the punitive measures, the penalties associated with letter grades uh, that are put on our schools and our teachers is completely inappropriate mm -hmm. for this cycle. Right. Uh, we need to just encourage everyone to do their best and not be uh, worried about the test and, and the stress that comes with the test. Mm -hmm. We just want to see where you are. That's how we're approaching it in Acadia. Mm -hmm. And anything I can do as superintendent to reduce that stress level on our teachers, on our students, and our parents, that's, that's what I feel my job is this year. I want them to take it seriously, but I don't want them to be worried about a negative letter grade, a punitive consequence from the State Department. And I have relayed that message to the State Superintendent, both one-on-one -on -one and collectively amongst other superintendents. I just think it's inappropriate to give punitive measures uh, for testing this school year, given all the challenges, as everybody has mentioned, COVID, uh, early shutdown, two hurricanes, ice <laughs> storms, uh, quarantining. Yeah. If you just calculate, sit back and calculate the number of staff and students that haven't been at work or in school since we started the school year, simply due to the 14-day quarantine period, right. even the shortened quarantine period, 10 days, the number of absences are pretty high, and we it's a it's inappropriate to hold people accountable when they're not at school or work due to circumstances beyond their control. And, and Tommy, I, I'm going to allow you to answer the question, but you brought up something that I think is interesting about a, a curriculum committee, if you will, or curriculum people. So I'm sure that this is important to them and to yeah, you. Yeah, the testing, the testing is important, you know, and I, I kind of echo what the, my two fellow colleagues said, but, you know, personally, and this is me speaking, I, I think we do have to have some portions of the standardized test. Would I like to see it reduced a little? Yes. Do I think we need math and ELA to kind of just get a general? Yes. Could we reduce the number of items that could possibly reduce stress? I think that I think those would be good ideas because I think there's some other factors, you know, and I brought this up at our meeting the other day, you know, I mean, high school students, it's still 20% of their grade. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, the state hasn't waived that yet. And so, you know, and, and so we're going to encourage everybody to come in. now. We're gonna we're gonna make the adjustments where we have to make them, but but that's an extra stress on a kid. The other thing I don't think people, as we started looking at testing, testing already is a, is causes lost learning time. Mm -hmm. Just to mm -hmm. test, we're still following a pandemic uh, COVID guidelines. Like when we when we start testing groups, our small group testing, and we have static groups in our elementaries that we no longer can. What might have taken, like, we can't only test one group a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so the learning loss time already is a lot. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to double and triple the amount of lost classroom time 
we're just exactly. adding to the that we're 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 kicking the, the problem down the road. So yes, I do agree we need standardized testing in some portions. But I, I know our people when we've started looking at that, when we started looking at at the testing parts and setting up testing, mm -hmm. it is it's a whole new dynamic that we haven't even didn't even think about. You right. know, one of those unintended consequences when you start you know, I mean, our elementary kids are in static groups. So last year you didn't even have standardized no, testing. No. So yeah. this is the first in basically two years. Yes. Now I know that there's a window of time, I think it's what, April 26th to May something that you have the option to give it. How many days does, if I was a student, how many days would I actually be in standardized testing? Because I know the, the dates and the so forth kind of float. Well, <laughs> that could vary uh, from school to school, okay. grade to grade, grade level. Okay. at grade oh, level yeah. as okay. well. So that, that, that would vary. Um, and, and again, uh, Tommy brings up something very important that you know, we have to be able to look at uh, kids with specific needs, individual attention, uh, you know, our static groups. So it, the logistics of it right. is going to be a little bit different Challenge. than what we've done before. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I can't and even convincing imagine. parents that have, I mean, look, we have some parents who have, have truly kept their child home because of COVID concerns. COVID. Yeah. And those are and the, so, those are the calls that we've right, been fielding, so you know, my, my, my I'm child, I'm not bringing my you know, child not, out, right. out in a year yes. and I'm going to bring them out to take a standardized test right. that yeah. may not even count. count. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and you brought up, I, I had no idea about the high schoolers, this as of today, being a part of their, such a significant part of their grade, that's right. really going to be a challenge, you know? Um, so I think that that's one of the things that we talked about, how, how are, are students going to be affected? But one of you brought up a good point, I think maybe Scott did, about, you know, we hear about school grades, school system grades, you brought that up and of course Vermillion has kind of been at the top of the heap for a number of years now, but will, will the schools, school systems, and teachers be affected by the results of these LEAP tests still as they were previously? Still to be determined. Still okay. to be determined. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Which is part of the anxiety for right. everyone. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like if, if they would just come out, and, and I understand because they don't want to come out early and say, oh, we're just, mm -hmm. that would just take something off the plate of our teachers. And you know what, it allow our teachers to just, I'm still teaching, I'm still preparing for the test, but you know what, I'm just doing the best that I can. And that's what we've asked. What we're asking of the kids to come in and do the best, best effort, just let our teachers figure out. You know, now our teachers would be helping our curriculum department because our teachers are capable of figuring out, okay, this is this kid is going to struggle sending them forward I, I need to spend my last three months pushing this and so i mean it is it is scary you know and you know yeah. hey if we get a school letter grade you know as a new superintendent i'm blaming it on covid <laughs> you know i mean i got I, there's a lot of pressure well, you, would, take over a, you take over a system that's number two in the state and then you make it drop it's like no yeah. I'm using the, I, I will reserve the right to use the COVID excuse for a little while. I think we all will. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, and yeah. as well, you should. And, and I, I, again, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything that I did not ask you or any message that you would like to give to parents right now that, that maybe you feel they need to know? 
Well, I, I think that the, the public, uh, parents, children, and, and the public at large, all the stakeholders, just need to realize that um, to continue to support their individual schools, the school system, the districts, um, and uh, they're doing the best that we possibly can under these circumstances. It's not perfect this year, uh, but we're working really hard to educate children, uh, continue to uh, support children after school, during the summer, and let's continue to work together. I think our communities came together uh, when COVID started last year in March timeframe and can have continued to work together uh, to provide the best quality education for our children. So I would just encourage them to continue to do that. Uh, this is a long range thing, even though, you know, the vaccinations and all of the things that we've done to mitig mitigate COVID, uh, but it may continue into uh, the next school year in some form or fashion. So we have to continue to work together and look for solutions. And because sometimes the answers that we have won't be perfect and they won't always work the way we intended them to work. So we just want to encourage them to continue to work with us. Tracy, I'd just like to take the opportunity to thank our parents in Acadia Parish. Uh, they have been tremendous working with the staff, working with all the changes and challenges and obstacles and changes in routines. And, and I can't thank the citizens and the, and the parents and guardians of our students in Acadia Parish more than I can today. Right. Uh, their efforts are, are appreciated. Uh, we're trying to get back to normal as much as possible. There are measures in place that we have no control over as superintendents at the local level. We still have to follow state guidelines. We still have to follow national guidelines. And we're trying to do the best we can, just like they are as parents. And I just need them to stick with us uh, for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, I sent out a letter on the anniversary of, of the March 13th shutdown. And, and it's exactly what I said, you know, thank you parents. But I also feel like I also sent a message out to my parents and I want to echo it again is that let us continue teaching your children, but as parents, let us continue teaching you mm -hmm. because what you as a parent, you're having to learn a whole new world yourself. You know, how can you support your kid if it's through a computer or virtual? How can you support your kids when we're going to ask more kids to come to summer remediation and try to catch up? Parents, I need you to let us teach you as well. Tr tr trust the educational system. Mm -hmm. As hard as that is sometimes for people to do, it's tough enough when it's a normal time. I mean, we are going to be doing things that are different. So parents, it's, it's gonna look different than what you're used to have the last three or four years. You know, I mean, it's going to be more pressures. It's going to, you know, so, so, so let us teach you as well. Trust your school systems. You know, like we are nonstop. I mean, we're communicating all the time. What's the next best thing? You know, I mean, I have enjoyed being new. You know, these guys have been very, very, you know, beneficial to, you know, as a principal, I was very, very involved and, and the networking was important. And I'm so happy that our Southwest Louisiana uh, Superintendents Association, you know, I can promise you when we go check our phones, we're all gonna probably have two or three oh, yeah. texts <laughs> on decisions. And so, right. you know, so that, that's just the message. Let, let, trust, trust the systems. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all doing this the best we can and you know we thank you what you've done but there's no end date and says pandemic's over and the education is just going to go away we're going to go back to normal right let that process play out and I, I as i've heard you talk i've talked to a lot of doctors dr tina stefanski their number one goal they recognized the challenges but was to save lives you're not and that was challenging because of all of the 
obstacles in their way, your number one job is to educate students. And I think that you have done a great job today in communicating that passion to do that. So I really appreciate the time. Um, and, and I think that the superintendents throughout the Southwest would agree with everything that you've said today. So thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Matt. 10 Talks at Kadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Star Media production.